Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. As we continue in our Christmas series titled, Tis the Season, think about what the holiday season means to you. Is it about money, gifts, family, or is it truly about the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior? Our prayer is that you understand what Christmas is all about by listening to today's message. Good evening. How's everybody doing? you are good? I'll tell you, I actually got that right. I knew all day long that I was going to say good morning. And uh, just out of habit, but but man, I'm so excited for y'all to be here and to worship with us and um, us to have this opportunity uh, to be together um, and celebrate uh, Christmas. And we've been in this series called Tis the Season, and we've looked at a lot of things that this season has become known for and that we find ourselves um, really going after during this time of year. Um, but tonight we look at what this season is really about. And so um, I feel like this. I believe this with all my heart. That tonight should be the greatest night of celebration that we ever have. Amen? That this should be a time when we celebrate like no other. Because we celebrate the birth and life of Jesus, which ultimately led to our salvation and to our ability to spend eternity with God. And listen, not just spend eternity after we die, but it begins now for those of us who are in Christ Our relationship has begun. We have crossed the threshold of uh, the temporary into the eternal. And we can celebrate that like crazy Um, for those of us who know him. Um, Tonight is going to be a little bit different, I think, for us uh, as as we look at some scripture. You can go ahead and be turning to Luke chapter 7. I'm not going to be a traditional Christmas scripture. But my prayer is that by the end of tonight, you go, oh, that's why he preached about that on Christmas. Okay, if you walk out of here and you're like, I have no idea what he talked about, then I'm, I, I really apologize, I apologize ahead of time. But I believe this. I believe by the time we get to the end of the scripture, you'll understand why the Lord put this on my heart to share with you tonight. Um, and, and speaking of celebration, as you turn there, I just want to say this. I don't know that I've ever been more encouraged, more inspired, um, and, and just more excited about our church. Um, when I watched what happened yesterday... And, and how many of you were a part of that yesterday? You were able to come out and serve in some way. Man, fed almost 1,300 people um, yesterday with, with turkey dinners and a couple of ham dinners, a couple of fried chicken dinners. And, and listen, it, it, it didn't go perfectly, but man, it, it, it worked. And God showed up in a mighty way. And here's the awesome thing. Um, we gave out almost 500 presents that you guys were willing to go and purchase. I've never seen so many presents in my life. I took a couple of them home to give to my own children, um, <laughs> save a little money. But, uh, but, but it was incredible. And just the outpouring of love that you guys gave. And here's the thing that excites me the most. Not that we fed people or that we gave them presents, but that we showed them the hope of Christ. Because to feed somebody for one day and not change their eternity would be such a shame, but we at least gave them the opportunity. We planted a seed of the gospel and the love of Christ. And so I'm excited about that. Luke chapter 7, we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to be the church. We're going to continue to go, and we're going to continue to share the love of God. Um, Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 11. I just want to read the first two verses there, verse 11 and 12. Um, What I really want to encourage you to do right now is, listen, how many of you have been running pretty hard? For the last 20, 25 days, yeah, been going pretty hard. How many of you still have running to do? Like you leave here and you go to the next Christmas? There's a lot of us that that as soon as we get out of these doors and hopefully the preacher doesn't go long and we can get out of here at a decent time and we can go and do the rest of our Christmas stuff. This is what I would ask you for the next 27 minutes and 38 seconds. 
that we focus our heart on Christ. That we'd open our heart, that we would ask God, listen, I don't know, there are people here, I'm sure, tonight that you're not a believer. You, you don't even really believe all this Jesus stuff and you're here because somebody drug you here. This is the thing I would ask. Just give it a chance. Just listen to the word. I'd ask you tonight that, that maybe already as you walked in, someone greeted you, someone said hello, someone was standing in the rain to show you where to park. That tonight maybe God's already begun to tear down some walls so that his word could get in. And I would just ask that for the next few minutes that we focus our attention and we focus our hearts on God and at least giving him an opportunity to move. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. It says this, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity we have tonight to hear your word. God, I pray for the person here tonight who feels like they need this the least. I pray for the person here tonight, Lord, who God, right now, they know they need something and maybe they don't even know what they need. Tonight, God, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, that he would be very real and present, and that our eyes and our hearts would be open to see you clearly, and that, God, you would do what only you can do, and that's change hearts, give hope, and give life. We love you, and we thank you, and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think we got enough older people here, probably... Um, there's a lot of young folks, but probably enough older people here that you can relate to this. But how many of you remember when you started noticing the, this reality that, that you were just getting older? You know what I mean? You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like when, when you just started noticing, like I can remember some of the first times when someone said, yes, sir, to me. And they were like, yes, sir. And I was like, what? Is my dad around here? I didn't know. I was like, what, who are they talking to? And I was like, yes, sir. I, I can remember when I was in youth ministry and, and some of our youth began to have birthdays that were after my graduation date. I was like, man, I am getting old. How many of you are old enough that you can relate? Like, you know, that feeling of things and things begin to happen, don't they? Things begin to break down. Things don't work like they used to. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I got somebody with two hands up back there. Pentecostal. So. But the reality of it is like, like things begin to break down. Things don't work like they used to. Things seem to begin to fall apart. And, and I was reminded of this two Fridays ago. We were moving our offices around over uh, on Main Street. And, and I was trying to get my office put back together. And there was a little bookshelf there that I was going to move. And I bent over to pick up the bookshelf, started to stand up. And I felt it. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? That it, that thing, that right here in my lower back. And, and it felt like a rubber band. It's a... I was like, oh, and you know, what's funny is in that moment, like I knew I was in a mess. I knew I was hurt and it, it didn't hurt that bad. But within like 20 minutes, I was like this and, and I'm like dragging my back foot and I couldn't walk and I couldn't stand up. And, and if you saw me two Sundays ago here at church, um, I didn't preach. Thank the Lord. Joe is preaching that Sunday, but I, I couldn't hardly even stand up. I carried Reed in. I swear that kid weighs 150 pounds. He's only two years old, but I swear he weighs 150 pounds. And, and, and at least he did that Sunday. And I'm trying to carry him in. My back is hurting. And this is the thing at that very moment, when I felt that pop in my back, this is what I knew. I knew I was in a mess. I knew that I was in a mess and I knew this, that there was going to be pain involved. 
And I knew it was coming. And here's the thing. After that happened, once that, my back went out, when I was hurting so bad, listen, there were some things I realized about myself. One, I was ill. You know what I'm talking about? You know how when you hurt, like you just get angry? You just become an angry bird. You know what I'm talking about? Just mad at everything. The other thing I realized is when I hurt, I'm more likely to hurt people. Right? I mean, hurt people hurt people. Isn't that the truth? When we hurt, we tend to hurt other people. I realized this. I didn't have any joy. Like, I wish I could tell you that the whole time my back was hurt, I just sang psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I did not do that. We got into a car and we had to go three and a half hours. I was riding with my back hurting. I could do nothing about it except just suck it up. Here's the only thing I could do. I could try to mask the pain with Advil, but I couldn't make it go away. Right? You ever been in that place where you just hurt like that? It just seemed like it would never, ever go away. And this is the thing I realized. As I was preparing this message, I was looking at this scripture and I was thinking about where we are as a people. This is what I realized. A lot of us, those things I just described, describe our life. They were ill. They were hurt. Because of our hurt, we hurt people. Because of, of our, our ill uh, feelings, we're more likely to lash out at people. And here's the thing about it. We really and truthfully can't do anything about it. In and of ourselves, so many of us are in such a mess that we, at the end of the day, can't do anything about it and we can't change it. It just seems to be the way we are. Right? And so we come to this scripture and and, and we realize that this lady is in this place where she's in a mess. I mean, her life has just gotten really messy. There's a few things that, that he tells us in the scripture. Luke tells us in the scripture. He says this. He says that, that the lady had already lost her husband. The Bible says that she was a widow, right? She'd already been through loss. She was, she was struggling from losing her husband. It says now that her only son had died. And it makes a point to say her only son because it wasn't only that she lost her son, but with her husband gone and now her son gone, she was without a financial resource. She is without financial security. She is in this place now where she realized not only am I mourning the loss of my husband still, not only have I just lost my son, but I'm in this place where I don't even know where I'm going to get bread tomorrow. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. My financial security has been taken away. And not only her financial security, but here's the reality. Her identity had also disappeared because in those days, the family was known by the man's name. And so not everything that this woman knew had been taken away. She was literally in a place where there was no hope. And she was struggling and she was hurting and she was wondering what's going to happen. Listen, she was in a day that without her husband, without her son, she lost her identity to the point that there was a, was a Jewish prayer. It is a Jewish prayer that was popular back then that they prayed. And it said, thank God that he didn't make me a Gentile, which is a non-Jew. Thank God that he didn't make me a slave. And thank God that he didn't make me a woman. And she's in this place now where she finds herself without hope, hurting, and wondering what in the world is the future going to bring. Basically, she was in the mess. And here's the reality for us today. Some of us are feeling it more than others, but here's the reality. We're all in a mess too. All right? How many of you would be willing to admit in some area of your life tonight, you're in a mess? All right? Don't be too proud. 
in some area. This is the thing I know because there's areas of my life that are messy. There's areas of my life that I wonder, God, is this ever going to change? There are areas of my life that are messy and I didn't do anything to cause it. Right? It's just messy. In fact, the first thing that I want you to write down tonight and the first thing I want you to remember is that we're all in a mess. We're all in a mess. And here's, here's the reality. There's not one person here tonight that there's not some area of your life that's not messy. There's not some area of your life that could be void of hope, that you're tired of fighting. Some of us are like the widow in the scripture. There's situations in your life that are just tough. Some of you right now, you're dealing with tragedy. You're dealing with loss. And it still hurts. There's situations in your life that, they, honestly, they just stink. Some of you just got news this week that there's something going on in your family, that there's something going on with somebody, there's a, there's a, a daughter's report, there's something there that causes you to come to a place where you feel like you've lost hope or you're uncertain about the future. Some of us right now, listen, hey, it's Christmas. Some of us are in financial difficulties, right? Overspent. Some of us tonight are in a place similar to this woman where we, we may not even know where our next meal comes from. In fact, maybe tonight when we talked about feeding all those people, you thought, well, it'd be nice if I could have had one of those meals to take home with me. And you're not sure what's coming next. Some of us are, are, are in a place where we've lost our identity. Here's the reality, people. Like, I, I, knew, I knew a lady one time who she said she had dyed her hair so many times, she wasn't even sure what her real hair color was. Y'all, any, ladies, y'all know anybody like that? Anybody? Uh, yeah. There's some, you know some people like, like they dye their hair so much, they didn't even know what color it was. I have never met a dude that went, man, I have dyed my hair so many times. I don't even remember what color it was. You know, never seen that, never heard of that. But, but the reality was she had, she had changed so many times, she didn't even know who she was. And there are people here tonight who you've tried to become so many different things for so many different people that you're not even sure who you are. My prayer tonight is that God would begin to draw you in and reveal who you are in Him because that is really the only identity that is ever going to satisfy you and really the only identity that is ever going to matter is your identity in Christ. And so my prayer tonight is that you'd find your identity in Him. Listen, some of you are without hope because you've been sacrificing your purity in areas. What you look at with what you watch. Listen, some of you are without hope. And, and so you continue to go to false exits. You keep trying to, to escape the reality of this life and the circumstances that surround you. So you keep looking for something else. There are people in here tonight who, who, who you're worried about the future. You're wondering about your children. You're wondering about decisions that they've made or decisions they're going to make. And you're worried about them. And you're so worried about them growing up in this world that honestly has been marred by sin, is fallen, and that, man... We're raising our kids in. And we're worried and we're wondering about what's going to happen. And we even doubt the future. And I'll take this a step further because this is where the rubber really meets the road. Some of us in here tonight are extremely unsure about our eternal security. I mean, what happens when this is over? Like right now we know that if it all ended today, thank God the Mayans were wrong, right? They missed it. I think what probably happened is they were writing the calendar and he just got tired. He's like, I don't know. How can we end this story? Um, the sea bulls and I don't, you know, I don't know. But we made it. 
And so we, we get to this place where we don't know if it ended today. Where will we be? What will we do? Do we have hope? Do we really have hope? Or does the greatest hope we have hinge on things that, man, are so temporary? How things go at work, how things go you know, with the ball game. Do things hinge on things that are temporary? Do they hinge on things that are eternal? Do we really have hope for what's coming eternally? And I don't know your specific situation, but I know this tonight, that the reality is that in some way our lives are messy, every single one of us. I want to read these next two scriptures. And the second thing that I want you to write down is this. Jesus didn't and doesn't avoid the mess. Listen to this. This is incredible. In verse 13, it says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. Here's the cool thing about Jesus. In the midst of this place where there was no hope, in the midst of this huge mess, Jesus didn't avoid it. How many of you know we are typically more likely to avoid a mess than to hit one head on, right? How many of you have kids? Yeah. How many of you have children in diapers? Yeah. Here's how it goes around my house. Little one in diapers walks by. (laughs) Hey, Reed, I think mama called you. (laughs) It's like the diaper game, right? And he goes, ah, and he runs in there to, to her. And then she's like, hey, Reed, go play with daddy. And he comes, ah, and he comes running back. Because nobody wants to deal with the mess, right? Nobody gets excited about that. And so we try to avoid the mess. And this is the awesome thing about Jesus. Jesus didn't avoid the mess. He stepped into it. I mean, it would have been so easy for Jesus to look at this, this family and this chaos. And I can tell you from being a pastor, when you step into chaos in a family with loss and with tragedy, it's not fun. But it would have been very easy for him to look at the loss and to look at this chaos and to look at this mess and go. And walk away. And yet Jesus steps straight up. He walks straight into the mess. And in this, I want you to see the heart of Jesus for us. That Jesus didn't avoid it, but he stepped into it. How many of you are, do this? Because this is me, man. How many of you if, you, if you're riding down the road and you see blue lights, you're immediately drawn to it. Right? You're like, hey, let's go check this out. Or you see a fire truck come by and you're like, you get it, you know, you want to go, right? And some of you tonight, because I know some of you are firefighters, that's why you are a firefighter. It's because you wanted to follow the red lights, Right? You wanted to go see, you're like, what is it? What is it? And so there was curiosity. But here's the awesome thing about Jesus. Jesus didn't go just to see what was, what was going on because he was curious. And there's the thing we've got to let sink into our heart as a church. Jesus didn't even go because he was obligated. The Bible tells us very clearly that he went because he was compassionate. He went because his heart broke. He went because he saw someone that he loved and he wanted to step into the mess and he wanted to bring hope in the midst of a messy situation. Luke seven thirteen actually tells us this. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. We can't read it as black words on a white page. We have to see the emotion that's in this. Jesus' heart 
broke for her in her situation. And this is the thing I can tell you is don't take this outside of your own life. The reality is that in the mess of your life, yes, even in the mess that you've made, Jesus still desires to step into your situation. He still desires to step into your mess, even a mess that you've created. And it's so unfair and it so doesn't make sense. But this is what Jesus did over and over and over again. And if it is the season for anything, it is the season to realize that Jesus stepped into our mess to give us hope for the future. That is the Christmas message. That Jesus came, that he stepped in, that he came to a place where he wasn't afraid to step into the mess. Think about this. Jesus was even born in a mess, right? Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a mess. And here's the crazy thing about this. How many of you have a nativity scene in your house? We do too. In fact, I think we've got like 42. I don't, they're all over the place. But we celebrate this nativity scene. Because it's the birth of Jesus. But can you imagine what would happen if we flipped on the news tonight and we saw that there was some lady who tried to get a room at a hotel and she was having a baby and the owner of the hotel put her out in the shed? We would flip out. We'd be like, that dude needs to be locked up. What's he doing putting a woman giving birth out in a shed? It's not right. And we lose sight of the fact that, that, that he was born into a mess. He was born into a place with stinky animals. I mean, he, and, and we're like, oh, you know, away in a manger. No, you know, no room, you know, room in the end. All, I don't even know. <laughs> but here's the reality. He was born into a mess. And the thing I want you to see is that Jesus didn't avoid the mess. The only way that God can remedy our mess is to step into it. He didn't just say, I'm going to stand back and I'm going to watch from a distance. I'm going to watch you screw up your life. And when you screw it up, I'm going to rub your nose in it. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to step in. Why? Because my heart is breaking for my people because I love my people. And listen, I want to go to them and I want to help them in their mess. That's the good news of Christmas that Jesus steps in. When we read the gospels, we see all throughout the scriptures where Jesus would go up to people, especially the undesirables, the lepers, listen, the blind, the lame, those who, who were hurting, those who no one else wanted to have anything to do with. I was reading the other day where two blind men were yelling out to Jesus. His disciples go over, try to make them be quiet. And yet Jesus goes over to him. He says, what do you want me to do? And they say, we want to see. And it says he reaches out and touches them. And here's the cool thing about God. Here's the cool thing about Jesus. So many times the undesirables that he healed, he didn't just speak a word, which he could have. He could have just said, Ben, he be healed as he walked by and they could have been healed. But so many times he walked up to him and he put his hand on them and he said, be healed. He touched them and they were healed. And here's the thing that God desires. He desires to touch our lives. He desires to touch our mess. He desires to step in and put his hand on our lives. And he's not afraid of the mess. And so he would touch them because he desires not that we would just be forgiven, but that we would be whole. And I can tell you this, in our wholeness, we bring glory to God. That's his desire. Not that we would be without hope. He stepped into our mess so that we would have hope. And this is the cool thing. Not only did he come into a world, not born in a palace, but born in a manger. Not only did he touch sick people and people that no one else would touch, but he also took our mess upon his shoulders and he carried it to a cross. And now the cross is blood stained because he shed his blood to take care of our mess. And listen, listen, it was nailed to a cross. 
so that it could be done away with. So that our mess could be cleansed. So that our mess could be clean. So that we could be made whole. That we could be in relationship with him. That our lives would be changed. Jesus took our mess upon himself and he carried it to the cross. That's what we celebrate at Christmas is the birth of the one who came to give us life. The last thing I would tell you when we read verses 14 and 15 is this. You can write this down. Let him touch the mess. Let him touch the mess. Verse 14. Then he went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Let him touch the mess. Listen, this is something that we can read and we can gloss over. But the reality of this scripture is that no Jewish person, much less a rabbi, would have gone up and willingly touched the coffin. It would have made them unclean. It would have made them not be able to associate with with any other Jewish people because they would have then been unclean. But here's the amazing thing about Jesus is that he walks straight up, he touches the coffin, and this is the crazy thing. He was willing to become a public spectacle so that this man could receive life and hope. He was willing to become a public spectacle so that this woman could receive her son back, so this woman again could receive hope. And then Jesus takes our sin upon himself. He's willing to go to a cross, become a public spectacle to become a curse so that we can become forgiven. And he said, I'll do this so that you can have life and you can have hope. He's not worried about being a public spectacle. The reality of Jesus is he is not scared of the mess. Here's the thing that we're taught in church is don't ever show the mess. Right? Put on your best clothes. Put on, put on your best mask. Walk into church. But for the love, do not show the mess. And listen, we've been taught that in church over and over and over again. Good Christians aren't messy. But hello, that is not reality. We're not all perfect yet. And if you think you're perfect, you're in the wrong place. Because we're not a perfect people. We're a people that are being perfected. And the only righteousness we have comes from faith in Christ. But the reality of it is that Jesus steps in to clean us, to make us whole. He became a public spectacle so that we wouldn't have to hide the mess. So that God could heal our hearts. So that he could step into our lives and give us hope. That's the good news of Christmas. That's the good news of Jesus. He's in the midst of our mess. Listen, there are people here, and I understand that your mess, you can't celebrate it. There's no way. But the thing I would encourage you to do is that you can celebrate the one who's in it with you. I would say this, that our hope is not bound by circumstances. It's not even found in our circumstances. Our hope is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so many of us tonight are looking for hope in so many places and we're never going to find it until we simply turn to Christ and we simply turn it over to Christ and we let him have it. I was reading again the other day where 
Jesus comes into a synagogue and it's on the Sabbath and everybody got mad when Jesus did good things on the Sabbath because they were religious and, and they didn't really know God and, and they proclaimed him with their lips but their hearts were far from him and I think our churches unfortunately have people like that today. I don't know, maybe you're one tonight but the Holy Spirit's drawing you close and he walks into this, this synagogue where they would worship and this man comes up and he has a shriveled hand and here's the amazing thing about this scripture. Jesus looks at the man and he knows that they're going to accuse him of breaking the Sabbath law and he knows he's about to do something that he's going to again be a become a public spectacle over but here's the thing he does he looks at the man and 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 he says stretch out your hand stretch out your hand it seems simple enough but how many hands does this man have it's not a trick question two right and one of them is shriveled And so what does he have facing him as he looks into the eyes of Jesus? What is he facing? He's facing a decision of which one do I expose? How many of us walked in here tonight and the reality of our life is this. We keep sticking everything out that looks really good. But we refuse to give to God the mess. How many of us tonight are willing to come to a place where we're willing to expose to God, he knows anyway, the other hand. He he shows him his hand, his hand is healed. But here's the reason that so many people in church continue to be without hope. We refuse to get real with God. We refuse to turn to the one who gives hope and we refuse to let him into our mess. God knows we're messy. And if there's one thing that we could have sink into our hearts tonight, it is the Christmas story, the Christmas message that God was not repelled by the mess of this world. He was drawn to it because of the love and compassion he had for his people. And tonight God desires to step into the mess and to bring wholeness and healing to our lives. That is the great proclamation. Listen to this last verse in verse seven. Chapter 7, verse 16, it says they were all filled with awe and praise God. And listen to this. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. God has come to help his people. God has stepped into the mess to bring hope to his people. How did he do it? He came to earth in the form of a baby, was born into the mess, lived a life like you and I, except he was sinless. He took his sinless life, put our sin upon it, nailed it to a cross, paid the debt for our sin. And now we have the ability to take hold of that righteousness through faith in him. That's the Christmas message. That's what we celebrate, that God has come to help his people. So many of us tonight sit here and we believe that God would rather kill us than heal us. And I want to proclaim to you a God who is compassionate. A God who sees the mess of your life and desires to step in and bring healing. I want you to walk away with that tonight. I want you as you open presents with family, you eat with family, you go and hang out with family, whatever you're doing tonight with friends, whatever it is, I want you to walk in the reality and to celebrate the fact that God has stepped into our mess, that he can help his people. And that includes 
you. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It tells us that in this, we see God's love for us. In other words, while you were still in your mess and you maybe didn't even realize you were in your mess and you could do nothing to help yourself in the midst of your mess, he sent his son Jesus to die for you, to give you hope in the midst of a fallen world. That Jesus was born so that he could die, so that you and I could celebrate with God for eternity. That is the good news of Christ. There's one last verse that I want to read to you. And then we're going to close it out. It's in the book of Revelation. Begins in verse 14. And it says, as Jesus is speaking to the church in Laodicea. He says, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I have required wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and White clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am and listen to this. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. This is what I believe is happening tonight. This is what I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit. People are experiencing tonight and that if you are, listen, You'll experience it at some point during this Christmas season that God is knocking on the door of your heart. That God is desiring to step into your mess. He tells the church at Laodicea, listen, you think you've got it all together, but you don't recognize the true mess you're in. You don't recognize the fact that you need me. And I wonder tonight how many of us here on Christmas Eve would be willing to acknowledge the fact that I need God. I need what only Jesus can provide. I need this God, this God who steps into our mess to give us hope to step into my life. And I wonder how many of us here tonight need to finally come to a place of being real with our creator, of being real with the one who gave his life to bring us hope. I wonder how many of us on Christmas Eve are carrying burdens that we could easily lay down if we would just show him the other hand. And this is what I know. There's no greater Christmas present than the gift of Christ. And for many of us tonight, we may not even know that. Maybe for many of us tonight, all we've known is religion and church. This is what I would invite you to. With all the circumstances in the world, the tragedy we've seen even in the last couple of weeks, tonight there is a great hope And his name 
is Jesus. And we can grab hold of him. And we can hold on to him. Because he is the rock of our salvation. And he is our strength. He will guide us and he will get us through. Even through times. When we don't know if we're going to make it. But tonight. The opportunity is there. And this is what I believe. That God is knocking on the hearts of people. The God of the universe. Is knocking. On people's hearts. And saying will you surrender. Will you let go. Will you trust me? Will you let me step into your mess and bring wholeness and healing? Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for the message of Christmas that tells us, God, that you stepped in. God, even when we were helpless, even though we're helpless, even in the midst of our sin and the mess, God, that in many ways we've created that your compassion moved you to step into our lives. God, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the opportunity that we can know you, that we can have hope in you. And God, my prayer tonight is that as you knock, we would open the door, that we'd allow you to come in, that you would come in and fellowship with us, that we'd grab hold of hope this Christmas season, this Christmas Eve, this night that we celebrate your birth. And that we hold on to it with everything that we are and everything that we have as you hold on to us. God, we love you and we praise you. We're moving our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.